Okay. First, I, I'd like to uh, excuse myself for not being here for four weeks. Two of those weeks I had a legitimate excuse. One week was my grandson's bar mitzvah. And last week wasn't the snow. I was just sick. I'm still a little sick, but I'm tired of being sick. So we're up to, we're up to the parish of Truma. As an introduction, I want to remind you, it's very important <coughs> to have in mind the book of Shmos, like all of the book of Shmos, and to be able to review it easily in your mind. So if I would say that the parishes of Shmos, Ra'era, Bo, and Bishalach, the first four parishes, I'm going to name them. You know, the parishes of, of Shmos are called Shovavim. Shovavim, the first parishes. It's, it's, it's like a mnemonic. It's um, usually just as hard to remember the mnemonic <laughs> as to remember the thing itself. But okay, Shovavim, Shin, Shmos, Vav, Va'era. Bo, Beis, Bo, Beis, Bishalach, and then Yisrael Mishpatim. But I want to divide it up this way. Shmos, Va'era, Bo, Bishalach, that's Yitzhiyaz Mitzrayim. That's clear, right? Remember, Shmos, Moshe Rabbeinu, Va'era, Paro, Shmos, Va'era, Bo, more Makos, and then Makos Bechoros, Bishalach, Shirashayam, all of that is Yitzhiyaz Mitzrayim. The parishes of Yisro and Mishpatim <coughs> could, <coughs> could easily be called the parishes of Matan Torah. Right? You know, kind of being liberal. There's the Matan Torah of Yisro, where the people stood before Har Sinai and heard HaKadosh Baruch talking, Aser Sadibros, etc. And then there's the Matan Torah, the parish of Mishpatim that we read last week on Shabbos, Mishpatim is about, uh, Mishpatim is about a lot of things that are in the Torah, a lot of Torah directives, right? That's Mishpatim. <coughs> and now, <coughs> we're up to the third part, we're up to the third part of the book of Shmot. Now the third part of the book of, of Shmot, what I would like to call it is Mishkan. I'd like to call it the Mishkan. But of course there's a problem. Because it doesn't only deal with the Mishkan. The last part of the book of Shmos contains the parishes Teruma Tetzaveh, Kisiso, Vayakel Pekudeh. Those are the last parashiyot in, in Shmos. Now you know that Teruma Tetzaveh and Vayakel Pekude are about the Mishkan. <coughs> about the Mishkan. How to build, what to build, when to build, how to put it together, what it's made out of, how to raise the money, right? All of that is in Truma Titsave and Vayakel Pekude. In fact, Truma Titsave Vayakel Pekude a kind of, it's kind of, Vayakel Pekudi is a rerun of Turum and Pitzavah. The way you could tell is if you take a Chumash with Rashi and look at the parishes of Vayakel Pekude, you'll see that there's almost no Rashi. Not no Rashi, but almost no Rashi. 
If you look at Vayakov Pekude, you could see, look at Rashi, love of Rashi. But what does that mean? It means that when Rashi got to Vayakov Pekude, he thought that he had explained it already. And since he explained it already, he didn't have to explain it over again. <coughs> so Vayakov Pekude is a review of Teruma and Tetzaveh. So of course that, you know, immediately leads us to the question, if we know it already, why do we have to learn it again, right? If Rashi says that we already know how to build the Mishkan and how to make all of the Kalim of the Mishkan and all the other things that go with the Mishkan like the Bidei Kuhuna, the clothes of the Kohen, the Kohanim, right? The regular Kohanim, the Kohen Gadol. <coughs> why do we need a rerun? Why do we need Vayakel Pekudeh? But that question is further exacerbated by the parsha in between, which is the parsha that's called Kitisa. Right? Remember, Truma Tetzave, Kisisa, Vayakel Pekude. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Kisisa, the main story in Kisisa, is the Cheta Egel. The big story. It's not the only thing. Kisisa also has parts about the Mishkan. Etc. is not totally devoid of a connection to what happened before and what's going to happen after, but Kisisa <coughs> is where the Chet Egel is taught to us. Now, if you wanted to make sense out of this kind of the chronology of things, and you just ask yourself, when was the Chet Egel? So we know where the Cheta Egel was. It's absolutely clear. It's in the parasha of Kisisa. The Cheta Egel took place. No, I don't mean where is it in the parishes, but where is it in chronology? What happened before the Cheta Egel? Moshe Rabbeinu was at Har Sinai. When was Moshe Rabbeinu? Which period of time was Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai? The first 40 days on Har Sinai, Moshe Rabbeinu came down. And then, what did Moshe Rabbeinu do? He saw the Egel, and, and the story is the story, right? It's the Parsha Kisisa, it's not our Parsha, so I can't talk about it. So if I was kind of putting together the Chumash in a chronological way, where would I put the story of the Cheta Egel? <coughs> well, I guess I might put it after the Parsha of Mishpatim. Because even though I don't know exactly, could sit down, sit down. There no no one paid for a seat, so you take any seat. These are not the high holidays. So again, if you had to figure out where, if you just had to think of the cheta eagle, <coughs> the cheta eagle, where does the cheta eagle go? So it would be reasonable to say that the Cheta Egel goes after the Parsha Mishpatim. <coughs> At the end of the Parsha Mishpatim, there's a Tzivui to Moshe Rabbeinu to go up on Har Sinai. So we assume that that Tzivui to Moshe Rabbeinu to go up on Har Sinai is about going up for 40 days to get the Torah. Right? You remember that there are two kinds of going up to Har Sinai. Two different kinds of going up to Har Sinai. There's the going up to Harsini of the Aseris Adibros in the parish of Yisro, <coughs> which is 
the experience of Har Sinai. We call it Matan Torah. Right? We celebrate it on Shavuos. But it's not clear that that's Matan Torah. When did the Jewish people sort of get the Torah? When was the beginning of the getting of the Torah of B'nai Yisrael? On Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur. Remember Yom Kippur? It takes place a long time after, after Har Sinai. Har Sinai was a Rav Sivan. You have to get this in mind somehow. I mean, I, I, I try to teach this many times. No one ever gets it. So I figure it's, it's got something problem with that I have. But to me, it's, it's, all, it's all reasonable. When we celebrate Matan Torah on Shavuos, we are celebrating Matan Torah. You know, that's fine. It doesn't matter. But what happened on Shavuos <coughs> was a very limited <coughs> form of Matan Torah. Very limited. B'nai Yisrael heard God say something. It's not clear what they heard. Chazal has different uh, positions. They heard what the first Diber of the Aseris Adibros, the first two, they were mixed up, they were unclear. But that would not be called Torah. It was sort of like on Har Sinai, I would say, <coughs> that B'nai Yisrael found out that it's perfectly reasonable for God to give a Torah because God gave some Torah, a little bit of Torah. Because now no one could say, no one could say anymore, that's, that's crazy. I mean, why would God do that? Because God did it. So now, 40 days later, after Vav Sivan, Moshe Rabbeinu is told by Kodesh Rav, go back up on Har Sinai, the parish of Mishpatim belongs someplace in this story. It's not so clear. That's why Kodesh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu, go up for 40 days and 40 nights and get the Torah. Then Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai after 40 days and he saw, he saw the Chaita and the Eidah. And what did Moshe Rabbeinu do with the Luchos? He broke them. So if he broke the Luchos, who didn't get them? But Israel didn't get them. So I mean the whole 40 days were kind of for naught, it turns out, because they didn't get the day. still haven't gotten any Torah. And Bob Sivan, what did they get? They get an indication that there could be a Torah. That Kodesh Baruch could give them a Torah. But they got one D-bear, maybe. Okay, it's very good, but that's not the Torah. After Moshe Rabbeinu came down 40 days, they got nothing. 40 more days, 40 more days, what happened? Cleaning up. Moshe Rabbeinu had to kill people, had to, had to daven, had to turn to God, had to beseech God. He went up, he went down. I mean, he had all of that for another 40 days. Finally, I got his role and said to Moshe Rabbeinu, okay, we'll do it again. Moshe Rabbeinu went up another 40 days, came down with the luchos, the different luchos, <coughs> came down with the luchos, and gave them to B'nai Yisrael. So when did B'nai Yisrael kind of receive the Torah? Even if, if you could say that the, the luchos, like the Rishonim say, the luchos contained all the mitzvahs, somehow in the mnemonic, in the hidden form. So they received the whole Torah, when? On Yom Kippurim. And Yom Kippurim, according to Rashi, is the date of the parish of Vayakel. Which is the parish of Vayakel? Nachabal. Five parishes at the end of uh, the book of Shemos. Truma, Tetzavah, Kisisah, Vayakel. Vayakel. So Vayakel, which is the beginning of the story of the building of the Mishkan, right, was taught to B'nai Yisrael on the 
day of Yom HaKippurim, when Moshe Rabbeinu came down, so Moshe Rabbeinu said, okay, here I am, I've got the Luchos, let's go. We've got to be, we've got to be real now. Right, real is beginning, and real is the Mishkan. Let's build the Mishkan. So we're stuck again, we don't understand Truman Tetzavah. But when, when was Truman Tetzavah taught to B'nai Yisrael? How, how could it be that it was before the Chaita I mean, it's, it's not clear. Well, let's agree about that. So there are two things that are not clear. One is the sequence of events, and the other, <coughs> the other is why the parishes of the Mishkan should be told twice. Truma Tetzava first, and then Vayakha uh, Pekudeh uh, at the end. Another question that everybody knows, you should all know, because that's a, that's a well-known, it's a well-known uh, question, about uh, the fact that in Truma, God tells, Moshe Rabbeinu tells B'nai Yisrael that they have to make the Kalim the vessels of the Mikdash. And then afterwards, in Tetzaveh, <coughs> there's the, <coughs> the building of the Mishkan itself. Right? There are two Tzivuyim, two sets of Tzivuyim. One is about Kalim, about vessels, and the other is about the Mishkan itself, how you build the Mishkan. If Ayakel, the Kudah, it's the opposite. Right? The Yakel is about building the Mishkan, the Bayit, and Pekude teaches me more about making the vessels. So you have a chronological question within the chronological question. Chronological question within the chronological question. Now all of these questions I hope we're going to be able to deal with by the time we learn all five parshas. <coughs> but whatever you learn, you have to keep all of this in mind. So, what I want to learn tonight is something about the Aron. Something about the Aron. In Truma, the first thing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells us to make is the Aron. <coughs> and the Psukim about the Aron are quite complicated and seem to present a kind of a clear picture. <coughs> and I'd like to go through the Psukim and some of the Rashi. In other all of the all the Psukim are here on your sheet. And the Rashi, we're not going to go through all the Rashi, but we'll go through the Psukim. Vasu Arona say Shitim and then there's a measurement. Pasukir Alaf, it's Sipito Zahavtahomibachut, you know that the Aron was made like three Aronot. A gold one, a wooden one, and a gold one. And they kind of fit into each other, as everybody who has children or grandchildren knows about most of the games that they get work that way. So then it should have a zer. It should have some kind of a, well, a zer is like a crown that runs around it. Pasuk you bet that it has four rings, right? This arrow has four rings. <coughs> and the rings are in the corners. Plus a good gimel. And there should be, there'll be uh, sticks that you carry it with. You put the sticks into the rings. Pasuk <coughs> Now this is the pasuk that's going to annoy us. Pasuk, you know, today, all the psukim could annoy us. 
but I decided that we'll be annoyed by this Pasuk. And the Pasuk says, V'natata el ha'aron et ha'edut asher etein elecha. And then, into the Aaron, you should put Eidut. Now, Eidut, the word Eidut, is, uh, we know the word aid, a witness. Eidut is that which provides a witness. Rashi uses the word <coughs> in different places, in different ways. Rashi says that Eidut is Torah, sometimes that Eidut is Luchot and sometimes the Aron I haven't got time we haven't got time to go into the different cases but I just mean to say that the word Eidut in itself is not perfectly clear Shamayim Va'aretz could be Eidim Torah could be Eidut Luchot could be Eidut. What does Rashi say? If you look at the Rashi in Pasuk, uh, you see, you see Rashi? It's exactly 50% of the way down in the Rashi. No? Not 50%? Exactly 50%. Rashi explains the word El. El could mean in Hebrew towards, next to, right? And this reminds us of another problem that is related in the Gemara Baba Basra about the Sefer Torah, which we'll come to. Was it El in? Was it El next to? Right? That's a problem that the Gemara has. Ha'edut. <coughs> you see the Rashi? Ha'torah. Hatorah shehilaidut beinigav elichem shetziviti etchem mitzvot aktuvot ba. So there's no doubt when Rashi says at the end of the Rashi tziviti etchem mitzvot plural aktuvot ba that Moshe that Rashi says that this pasuk is talking about Torah and is not talking about right Torah but not not luchot. So the question of course on Rashi is. Well, what Torah is he talking about? You mean Moshe Rabbeinu was commanded to build an ark for the Torah that was only going to exist when? When did the Sefer Torah exist? What? <laughs> at, the end, at the end of the 40 years. Right? It doesn't make any difference what your position is. Whether you think that the Torah was given the Gilab Gilab, or you think that the Torah was written down the Vatachat, doesn't make any difference. But both agree that when was the first Sefer Torah in existence? At the end of the 40 years. And it was either the Sefer Torah was written piece by piece during the 40 years or the 38 years of the desert, and it was completed at the end of 40 years, or alternatively, Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the whole Sefer Torah at the end of 40 years. <coughs> so in either case, when did the Sefer Torah exist? At the end of 40 years. Where was the Mishkan built? Certainly after Matan Torah. And therefore, it's hard for us to understand why Rashi insists that the word Eidut means Torah, and then he clarifies. If the word, he would have just written Torah, 
So I can say, you know, like we can always say, well, he said this, but he meant that, and this means that, and everything means everything else, and that, that is fine. But since he said, since he added these words, Shetziviti etchem mitzvot haktuvot ba, it sounds like he's talking about the Torah, and he's not talking about the Aseret and the Luchot, because you can't say about the Luchot mitzvot haktuvot ba. You could say that the, that the Luchot imply all of the mitzvot, but they're not written. They're not written, they're only written in the Torah, and the Torah only came <coughs> the object. <coughs> the object called Torah only came into existence at the end of 40 years. I want you to, to, to remember, Moshe Rabbeinu taught B'nai Yisrael the Torah during 38 years in the desert. And during those 38 years in the desert, it could be that they took notes, that the Jews took notes, and that everybody had a little Sefer Torah of his own, that he was writing up. I mean, all this could be. But we say Sefer Torah, we don't mean that. We mean the Sefer Torah that was written officially by Moshe Rabbeinu at the end of the 40 years. He given one copy to each Shemit, and one copy was placed with the Aron Kodesh. About that, there was a machlokas in the Gemara, in, in the Baba Basra, whether it was in the Aron Kodesh or next to the Aron Kodesh. <coughs> but this Rashi makes no sense. This Rashi makes no sense. There's one other thing that I want to point out, and that's in Pasuk Kaf Aleph. In these Sukim, HaKadosh Baruch also tells Moshe Rabbeinu, you, you build this, you have a, a box, and another box, and another box, and you have the top, and then you have the cruising, and then you put it all together. And putting it together, Pasuk Kaf, you are cruising per se. I'm sorry, I'm reading Kaf. Okay, Kruvim, that's a, that's a separate story. Pasuk Kaf Aleph. This Aron didn't have a door. You couldn't, you couldn't access it in a reasonable way. The way you opened the Aron was by taking off the top. And you didn't take off the top, because the Kruvim were on the Aron. I mean, it just was not made to be opened. I guess if the Manda Omar that said they put the Sefer Torah in the Aron is correct, that they opened it up to put the Sefer Torah in the Aron at the end of the 40 years. But generally, <coughs> the Aron HaKodesh was never opened. And it wasn't made to be opened. Right, and whatever it contained, I'll just say as an aside, it's similar to Tzfilin. We have this idea. We have this idea that you put the Torah someplace, you know it's there, but you can't access it. You can't get to it. That's what Tzfilin is. Of course, the Sofrim uh, I started a movement by that, you know, since my children are always puzzled, I should always be fixing them and open them. But in theory, the halacha, you know, you know the halacha is that if nothing happens, if you don't go on a teul and fall into a river while you're wearing a tefillin, because that's the type of person you are, so tefillin has a chazaka. I mean, every day you put on tefillin as a chazaka, then it's all right. So, uh... So you should never have to, I, I, I know the Shulchanan says once in, <coughs> but in theory, if you think about it logically, what's the difference between today and tomorrow? What's the difference between six years and the beginning of the seventh year? What's the difference? 
if nothing's happened, then there's no reason to check your tefillah, ever. Of course, it is true that sometimes people check their tefillah and it's a problem. But that problem probably existed at the beginning, you know, that... What? Even just opening them, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But this pasuk says this: You smash the kaporet down on the arod. Then again, the same pasuk: So I would say <coughs> that we're talking about luchot. I will give to you Moshe Rabbeinu. Where will I give to you Moshe Rabbeinu when you go up on Har Sinai? Well, you're going to come down with the Luchot. So Rashi says, El lo yadati lama Rashi's astounded. <coughs> so it says that in, the, in Pasuk Tezayim, Benatata El Harodetayidut. And then again, in Pasuk Kathalaf, it says, El Harod Titene Ta'idut, which is the same thing twice. So Rashi says, Lo Yadati, Lava Nechpal, Shavei Kram Ne'emar, Lo Yadati Ta'arod, El Harod Eta'idut. V'yesh Lo Ma'ar, so Rashi's going to try to give us an answer. But Rashi points out that this is a distinction, this is not the way it usually is in the, in the parish of the Mishkan, where God says, do it, and then he says again, and now do it. That's not the way it is. Okay, I mean, uh, Rashi says, maybe this comes to teach us that you put the, the, the Torah in before you cover it up with the Kaporet. But of course, there's no other way to do it. <laughs> it's hard to understand what Rashi what Rashi is talking about let's look at the Ibn Ezra there's a famous Ibn Ezra when I say it's a famous Ibn Ezra I mean it's, it's quoted everybody quotes this Ibn Ezra so we will learn it a little bit the Ibn Ezra says, Ki ilu heim kemot shtark tuba, veheim luchot habrit, shtark tuba. You get married, you have a shtark tuba. The shtark tuba is about a certain topic, but it's a, it witnesses, it, it's a witness to the marriage. That may not have been the primary intention of tuba, but that's what tuba also is able to do. It's, I mean, I don't want to mention, the, even though the Gemara, they always talk about the Yotz of Ahoysov, that, you know, a get, a, 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 a divorce, a bill of divorce, is the agent of divorce. A man divorces his woman by giving him, giving her a get. But after she has the get, it's also a riot. In other words, if somebody says to her, well, can you prove to me that you're divorced, that you, you were divorced properly? She can take out her get, and the get proves it. So that the shtark tuba is also a proof. Proves something. It proves that they got married. The heim luchot habrit. So the Ibn Ezra is explaining why luchot habrit are called a dut. 
Because the fact that we have them proves that God gave them to us. I mean, how else would we get them? And he says, there's no doubt, this is the Ibn Ezra, there's no doubt that what are we talking about? We're not talking about Torah, but we're talking about Luchot. And then he goes on and says, <laughs> he means that Moshe Rabbeinu did not write a Sefer Torah at this time. He only wrote the Sefer Torah 38 years later. So that Sefer Torah uh, And furthermore, he's of the opinion, as that one of the opinions of the Gemara of Rambasra, that the, that the Sefer Torah was put on a madaf, on a shelf, on a shelf, they added a shelf to the Aaron Kodesh, and on that shelf they put the Sefer Torah. But the Sefer Torah was, not in, was never inside. And furthermore, there's a Pasuk in Malachim Aleph, look at the sheet. You see Malachim Aleph, the next paragraph? This is Shlomo HaMelech. Shlomo HaMelech, what's the assumption about Shlomo HaMelech? That he did it, more or less the way the Mishkan was described. And of course, he built the building. He built it out of stone. He built it out of Arzei Halavanon, the cedars of Lebanon. But more or less, he paralleled what was going on in the Mishkan in the desert. Basak says, So what was there? <coughs> what, did, what did Shlomo Amel put in the Aron? Shnei Luchot Avanim. What about the Shnei Luchot? How did he know that that's what he should do? That that's what he should do? Asher Yimechshem Moshe Bechoret. Asher Karat Hashem Bnei Yisrael. That's the Eidut. The Karat Hashem. The, the 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 agreement was established. You can't have a much clearer puzzle than that. I mean, even though. I mean, this is a possible Malachim Aleph, but it describes the Beit HaMikdash that Shlomo HaMelech built, and the Aron that he built, and it tells clearly what was put in that Aron. Look quickly at the Radak. The Radak wrote a commentary on Malachim, right? <coughs> and it says in the Pasuk, Ein Ba'aron Rak. Ein Ba'aron Rak. The Aron contains only... Right, the Aron contains only. I mean, uh, I mean, to, to to look for further proof, it would seem to be absolutely unnecessary. Ein ba'aron zor ayah. The Radak says, ki lo hayu ba'aron lo shivrei b'chot v'lo sefer Torah v'aron shepo sefer Torah near eh ki netanuhu v'otzrot beit Hashem in oel mo'ed. Sorry. The Ramban, I mean the Radak, is trying to kind of find a way to navigate this Pasuk with the fact that in the Gemara there's an opinion that says that put the Sefer Torah in the Aron. So he says, Aron Shabbos Sefer Torah near Ed, I would assume, Kinetanuhu Ba'otzrot Beit Hashem. They put it in the, the storehouse, in the Otzrot. In the store of the Beit Hamikdash, Imo Aid. 
Whatever they had left over from the Mishkan that was built by Moshe Rabbeinu. V'cheinir emi divrei Chilkiyahu ha-koin, Sefer Torah Matzati, Bebeit Hashem. Remember, Chilkiyahu found the Sefer Torah. That's a separate story. But where did he find it? He found it. He wasn't like rummaging around in the refuse. He wasn't looking in the corners of the Beit HaMikdash. But he says he must have had a warehouse, a storehouse, which accumulated many things over the years. So you know how it is when you have a boydim. You don't always know what's in the back of the boydim. And you don't always have the energy to take everything out just to find out what's in the back. So this is what happened. Somehow he discovered something. It was there all the time. But people forgot about it. That, that they simply forgot. They didn't have a clear listing of the stuff that they had stored. And they forgot about it. They forgot about it. So the Radak says, Radak says that if there was an Aron which contained a Sefer Torah or which had a Sefer Torah associated with it, <coughs> that Aron and the Sefer Torah were warehoused. But there's no doubt that the Sefer Torah that Moshe, that uh, Shlomo HaMelech made, that the Aron that Shlomo HaMelech made, which was like the Aron that Moshe made, only had uh, uh, the Luchot and not Shirei Luchot and not Sefer Torah. So we go back to the, we go back to the, uh, to the Ibn Ezra. The Ibn Ezra says, Machlokiti. We know that there's a machloket about what was in the Aron. Yesh lish'o. Hineh katuva me'el Moshe v'natata el ha'aron haluchot asher etaini lecha v'katuva etaini Moshe k'chalotol l'daberimo v'hinei shivram v'lo melei mitzvat Hashem. He says, God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, put them into the, into the, into the Aron. But Moshe Rabbeinu broke them. And so when he broke them, he didn't do what God said. God said, put the luchot in the Aron, so there were no luchot anymore. There was a new thing called Shivrei Luchot. He says, maybe this is why the Chachamim said that Shivrei Luchot were actually in the Aron, because there's a tzivui. I mean, you have to do something with the command from God. I mean, how are we going to explain that God said, do something, and Moshe Rabbeinu didn't do it? Okay, he broke the Luchot. But after he broke the Luchot, he had to put them in, <coughs> he had to put them in this Aron. Uh, so this is, uh, again, uh, the Pasuk does not deny this interpretation, because the Ibn Ezra says, the two sets of luchot are all called luchot so that both of them would have to be put into the Aron because the command that was given to the first, for the first luchot and then didn't go away so, uh, so you have a little problem here right? the little problem is well what, what happened to the shivrei luchot and where was this Teva built, this Aron? I mean, all these are problems. Okay, King Atu, Lodi Beirat Aluchot Ashliot, Ibn Ezra says. 
ואין טענה ממילה את אשר תהיה לך, כי הנה כתוב גם עליהם, ויתנם אשר אליי ועוד. In other words, the second time the Aron is brought up, it doesn't say that the first Luchot should go there. This is like an interesting idea. In, in, according to the according to the Eved uh, Ezra, according to the Ezra, what Hakadosh Baruch says in the parish of Truma says, remember Truma is before the Chayta Egel is before Vayakel Pekude. So in the in the parish of Truma, <coughs> in the parish of Truma. לא מצאנו שיאמר השם למשה שיעשה אהרון ויישם שם הלוחות הראשונות. The Pasuk doesn't refer specifically to the לוחות ראשונות. כי השם יודע כישבורי משה. God knows what's going to happen. And since God knows what's going to happen, God did not command specifically that the first לוחות should be put into the Aron. Which makes sense of what Shlomo HaMelech did, that he put only the, the real Luchot into the Aron, and not the broken Luchot. <coughs> so this all refers to the restatement of the story by Moshe Rabbeinu in Tvarim. So let's look at those psukim. Tvarim perek yud. You see at the bottom of the page. Ba'etahi. Moshe Rabbeinu is telling the story of Matan Torah. Right, do you remember Dvarim? The beginning of Dvarim is Tochacha. Moshe Rabbeinu tells B'nai Yisrael where they fell short. Where they were indicated that they just didn't have it. And in spite of that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has mercy on them and is bringing them to Eretz Yisrael. That's the beginning of Dvarim. <coughs> Listen to what Moshe Rabbeinu says. Ba'etahi. Ba'etahi is talking about what Eitahi? After the Chaita Ega. After Shvirat Haluchot. After Moshe Rabbeinu davened for the mercy of heaven. But at that time, Amar Hashem Elai, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe is telling the story to B'nai Yisrael. Maybe they weren't all aware of the conversation with Moshe Rabbeinu. Maybe they didn't all understand what was happening at the time of Matan Torah. Amar Hashem Elai, this is a deviation. The first time Moshe Rabbeinu was not instructed to uh, uh, hew the stones. The stones were brought 
by HaKadosh Baruch the second time Moshe Rabbeinu was commanded to psal lecha psal lecha now we could think a lot about what the difference is but even without thinking we all know there's a difference right? it's not the same Luchot Bet is not the same as Luchot Aleph how do I know that? because Luchot Aleph God used the stones Luchot Bet one. Number two, means, and you will come up with these stones to me, to Akkadish Bochu, to the mountain. <coughs> now, that's in parentheses. Right? That's in parentheses. Then it says, Vasita Lechon Aron Eitz. Vasita Lecha Aron Eitz. Aron Eitz. What's an Aron Eitz pray? Now that we've learned a lot about the Aron. What's an Aron Eitz? What is it not? What? What is an Aron Eitz not? It's not the Aron of the Mishkan. Because the Aron of the Mishkan could most properly be called Aron Zahav. Aron Zahav. After all, it was gold outside and it was gold inside. What do we call that? We call that a golden Aron. We don't call that a wooden Aron. It's true, everybody knows gold is not so strong and you can't stand it outside, so you put something in the middle. Okay, great, but the stuff in the middle, that's not what it is. It's a golden ark. This ark that Moshe Rabbeinu was told to make by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. again, what are we talking about? he's about to go up on Har Sinai for the second time 40 days, passed another 40 days, passed 80 days, now we're up to the 40 days that are going to bring me to Yom HaKippurim HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu you the stones you the stones and make an Aron eight, which doesn't sound like <coughs> the Aron we were talking about before sounds like something else from here on from here on there's a similarity right you did what you did and now we're doing it again and then these Luchot that I will write and you will bring down to B'nai Yisrael, what will you do with them? You'll put them in the Aron. Into which Aron will you put them? Aron 8. And what's the Aron 8? Different Aron. It's not the Aron of the Mishkan. It's an Aron 8. Va'as Aron atzei shitim. Right? Va'as. First person singular independent pronoun ani. Right? Va'as, I will, and I made an Aron at Seishitim, Va'afso, Shnei Luchot Avigri Shanim, Va'ala Hor, Shnei Luchot Biyadi. So I did it. I hewed the stones, and I made the ark of stone, of wood, and I went up. Va'ichtov ha'luchot v'ichtav ha'ishan z'edit b'ashem v'ashem v'lekem v'ahatov ha'ish, v'yom ha'ka'al v'yitneim ha'shem elai. Va'afid v'ayrid min'ahan, it happened. 
just as a Kaddish Baruch Hu said, what happens? Va'efed, va'efed, va'eret min ahar, va'simet alichot ba'arov, asher asidi. And then Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from Har Sinai, carrying the luchot as he did the first time, and now everything in the machane is calm. Right? Things are calm, and so he takes the luchot and he puts it ba'aron asher asiti. Aron asher asiti. That's an aron eats. An aron eats. Vayushom kasher tzivani Hashem. And they were there. They were there. Now, if I had to make it up, and I asked you, how long were they there? A day, a week, a year, 40 years, 400 years. How long were they there? Well, I guess until they built the Aron and the Mishkan. Because everybody agrees that what was it that the Aron in the Mishkan contained? Well, everybody agreed. Luchot. Luchot. What is there a question about? Shivrei Luchot and Sefer Torah. But everybody agrees that Luchot were in the Aron that were in the Mishkan. So I had to answer the question, how long were the Luchot in the Aron 8 that Moshe Rabbeinu built and was, was waiting for him when he came down from Har Sinai? How long were they there? Until they built the real Aron. Until they built the real Aron. So there are two dinim. If I was learning in Yeshiva, I would say there's a din that says that the Luchot can't be by themselves. You can't put them on a, on, a, on a shelf on the wall like you put a little boat or a little pot or something, you know, decorate TV. There's no, you can't do that. Luchot need a place in the world. And the proper place of the Luchot in the world is in the Aron, that's in the Mishkan. Because the Aron in the Mishkan is the ultimate place. <coughs> but, while we're waiting for the ultimate place to be built, and that is the reason why in Vayakel, apparently, Moshe Rabbeinu said to Bnei Israel, okay, I'm back, let's build the Mishkan. He didn't say, okay, I'm back, let's just keep Shabbos, or let's teach children Torah. He didn't teach Hawaii, he didn't say, oh, I said, just said, let's build the Mishkan. To build the Mishkan. What was so desperate that he had to build the Mishkan? Because he needed, there was something that was askew. He needed a place for the, for the Torah, for the Luchos. <coughs> and even though he had a temporary place for the Luchos, but he knew very well that this was a temporary place. That this was a temporary place. So if you looked in the Malbim, the Malvin who, who deals with these parishes in a wondrous manner. Oh, the Malvin was a golden olam. He was a brilliant, uh, he was a great genius and a tremendous Torah scholar who decided to write a parish on Tanakh largely to save the Jewish people from the influence of People wanted to show that Tanakh is, you know, some has historical issues and, and other kinds of issues and were calling into questions, you know, questions of faith, but the Malman felt that he could, that he was the right person to deal with that. And so he set aside 
<coughs> what is called traditional lumnus, even though he wrote several sforim that are, uh, you know, examples of uh, his brilliant uh, ability to deal with Gemara. But instead of going on in that direction, he wrote this tremendous work on Tanakh because he felt, apparently, that that's what Am Yisrael needed. And that's what he could contribute. So he does, his parish on these parishes is extremely wondrous. Is extremely wondrous. And so he says, he says, uh, the Malvin says, just a second. <coughs> he says that the reason that the first Kheli that's mentioned in the parish of Truma, the first vessel that's mentioned is the Aron, is because the Aron had to be built had to be built in order to keep the luchos. In, in, in other words, somehow, the Malbim seems to think that Moshe Rabbeinu would have come down from Arsina. Again, I'm talking about after 40 days. Had, let's say there was no Egel. There was no Chet Egel. Nothing. Everything was fine. So Moshe Rabbeinu would have held on to the luchos until the Aron would have been built. But the second time, you know, was that, uh, the Moshe Rabbeinu was a legitimate repository of the luchos. But Moshe Rabbeinu could hold the luchos. Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't give them to anybody. But he could hold them because God gave them to Moshe Rabbeinu. Because the luchos imply something that goes way beyond the luchos. And only Moshe Rabbeinu, only Moshe Rabbeinu could conquer the luchos, so to speak. Only Moshe Rabbeinu could hold the luchos. <coughs> so he says, the Malvin says, everybody agrees. That if you're building a house for God, you build the house first, and afterwards you build a swimming pool. Right? You don't, you don't start off building a swimming pool and then say, oh, here's a swimming pool, I'll put the house here. I've never heard of such a thing. He says, it's not a chinish for Betzalel in the parish of Ayakir. Then what did Betzalel build first? What did Betzalel build first? The Mishka. He lets everybody be, oh, what do you mean Betzalel? How did he do that? He says, no. It's Pshita, I'll tell you why, Betzalel knew that it had to be, had to build the Mishkan first. It wasn't something that he had to divine with, uh, with uh, Nebuah. Listen again, according to the Malbim, when Moshe Rabbeinu was told to get up and, and, get, the, uh, and get the first Luchos, according to the said, you know, when you come down, you're going to have to put them someplace. And the place that you're going to put them is the Aron, of the Mishkan. And so clearly the Aron of the Mishkan had to be built first. Because Moshe Rabbeinu would have to stand there with the Luchos until the Aron would be built. Because the first Luchos were Masai Hashem. Were God's Luchos. And you can't put God's Luchos in a box. Even in a box. I mean, I'm telling you what the Malbim says, but I'm maybe not, maybe expanding it a little bit. But if you want to know what the Malbim really said, you have to look. So I'll tell you again. According to the Malbim, <coughs> God's who gave Moshe Rabbeinu the Luchos. So you can look at it two ways. One is that Moshe Rabbeinu was like a kind of a donkey, carrying the Luchos from point A to point B. Or, something else. 
that since the Luchos represented the entire Torah, as the Rishonim say, even though the writing on the Luchos is only the Ten Commandments, the Aserah bros, <coughs> they were the only person in the world who could be a repository of the Aserah Adibros was Moshe Rabbeinu. So that when he came down from Harsinai, there was no, uh, there was no Chaita He would have to stand there until an alternative repository would be built. <coughs> and therefore the Pasha of Truma, which was said, according to the Torah, before, right? Before, before what? Before the Chaita which you thought maybe Moshe Rabbeinu would come down with the safety Torah. The first thing in the Pasha Druid that we're told to build is the Aron. So Kodesh Baruch says, <coughs> it's true that the Sechel Yashor says, what should you build first? Abide. And then you build the vessels. But because you're going to come down from Har Sinai, you'll be holding the safety Torah. The Luchos are pressing your hands. What do you have to build first? You have to build the Aron. The first thing you have to build is an Aron. Because the Aron is the only legitimate repository for the Luchos that were hewn by HaKadosh Baruch. Two places that the Luchos can be. They can be in the arms of Moshe Rabbeinu, <coughs> and they can be in the Aron. When Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Harsinia, he saw they had no one to give them to ultimately, and no one to build the Aron for the Luchos. <coughs> what did Moshe Rabbeinu do? He broke them. There's only thing he could do. He couldn't do anything else. There was nothing else that was possible. Those Luchos could not exist in this world because they didn't have a place to be put. What? Well, they didn't build it because of the Chaytaegel. No, they were supposed to build it as soon as Moshe Rabbeinu came down. But they didn't build it. But the second time, what? Oh, the second time, the second time that Moshe Rabbeinu went up on Har Sinai, what did Hakadosh Baruch say to him? Solicha, you make the stones. Ah, you make the stones. So whose luchot are they going to be in part, somehow, of Moshe Rabbeinu? <coughs> so when you come down, you're going to need a place to put them. That's different. You can put the stones that you fashioned into an ark that you made. Into an ark that you made. And therefore, B'Tzalel said, that's Vayakir. B'Tzalel said, I have to build the Mishkan. So what should I build first? The Bayit, of course. Why? Because the Luchot had a place. Time was not any longer an issue. You didn't have to find a place to put the Luchos beyun by Moshe Rabbeinu because HaKadosh Baruch told him that when you come down from Har Sinai, as happened, that's what happened, he came down from Har Sinai, <coughs> I'm sorry, he came down from Har Sinai and he put the Luchos in the Aron 8, which was fashioned by Moshe Rabbeinu, so it was like Moshe Rabbeinu. 
Right, just like Moshe Rabbeinu could carry the luchos, he was a proper repository of the luchos. The Aron that Moshe Rabbeinu built was also a proper repository of the of the luchos. This is approximately the way uh, uh, the way it's it's understood by the Malbim. So we have a clue. We have a clue from the Aron that there really were two different sivuyim on building the Mishka that the first one was the Mishka that would be built if everything went well. Moshe Rabbeinu Gon Sinai would come down with the Luchos and would have to wait until the proper place would be built to as a repository and therefore of course the first thing that had to be built was the Aram. The second time Moshe Rabbeinu went to get the Luchos he went up to Harsinai with the luchos that he had hewn himself, right, the luchos that he made. He brought them down, and the Kodesh Baruch told him that you could put them into the box, into the wooden box. And then there was no pressure. There was no pressure on Betzalel. So Betzalel said, since I don't have to build the Aron, there's an Aron 8, which is a legitimate repository, <coughs> let me build the Mishkan in the proper, in the proper manner. Okay. We didn't do the, uh, the Ramban, but if you have time, on Shabbos, you should learn the Ramban that's written on the last page of this, uh, of this sheet. Have a good Shabbos.